listeners welcome to our podcast alpha bet you never knew that we're three friends chill and talk about all things spooky but in alphabetical order have you ever questioned the unknown are you wondering if there's supernatural things lurking out there things that are hidden from plain sight well this is the perfect place for you we are your hosts javeria maria and minnell and we post new episodes every other friday do we know the real history of our planet before it became what it is today how many ancient cities that once had thriving civilizations became lost among us and have yet to be discovered and a place that once seemed normal falls off the grid and into the unknown could our city be next and i guess from this intro you can assume that we are talking about lost cities and uh we're gonna talk a little bit about three different types and I will be talking first about an interesting city that I don't think many people have heard about, but according to an ancient culture and beliefs, and actually many beliefs, there are stories of a mysterious place named Agartha, and there are a lot of interpretations of this place, but essentially it's believed that there is a civilization that is currently living in the center of the earth. So... That sounds a little weird, and there's a lot of like scientific problems with that, but there actually is also a lot of um, scientists and historians that have actually supported this theory, but essentially it all came from the Greeks and from a lot of ancient cultures, and Greek people actually had believed that there was a dark place that was filled with souls of the dead, and many of these people believed that there was Uh, possibly a metaphorical or mythological origin to the story it wasn't necessarily like based on a fact so people think that maybe it was like a religious implication but essentially um, there are a lot of other cultures that believe in Agartha and they actually have said that there are certain cities that have secret passageways to this city so it's very complicated but let's get into it in Tibetan Buddhism there's actually a secret mystical city called Shambhala, located somewhere in the Himalayas that people have actually tried to search for. But they believe that this city could be connected to Agartha. And in Hinduism and in Celtic lore, there's a lot of uh, belief that there's a cave or an underground entrance that actually goes to this world. And some people have connected the Hindu land of Aryavarta. And it's called, it's basically an abode of excellent ones. And it's a land that was ruled by Celtic race thousands of years ago. And this was before a great war had occurred. So many people believe that this ancient race was actually in the same lineage as that ancient civilization that is in Atlantis, um, another land called Lemuria and Mu that were all wiped out by war and cataclysmic events. And that kind of drove them underground to this place called Agartha. So are they like Indian or Celtic? Um, So the thing is, people are like, maybe they're talking about the same thing because they both have like this lore about a lost city in their history. So people are like, maybe they're just talking about the same thing. But that's where that connection goes. But I don't know, like, the origin of like what these people like where they were from, but it's like kind of speculated. So I don't really know exactly. But yeah. Oh, and it's underground. 
it's underground it's in the center of the earth so people like kind of think that it's like hollow so there's not like yeah it's very confusing to imagine but yeah it's like inside the earth's core (laughs) so wait a second I think I might have heard this now that I like this name is sounding very familiar to me you might have heard of um the hollow earth theory that's similar to this it kind of goes with Agartha's whole lore like the name Agartha like it just sounds so familiar to me I feel like I've learned this in school <laughs> um yeah but it's, I like... it's pretty interesting a lot of uh, there's like um uncharted they have like a, a city in there called agartha it's like in the video game so there's like a lot of uh history about it but essentially yeah. there's some theories about this that people kind of interpret who these ancient people are so one of those theories is these people called old ones that actually live there and they're actually immensely intelligent and very scientifically advanced. And they kind of structured their environment under the surface of the planet. And they kind of just live there. They don't really go out outside of it. And they're hominoids, extremely long lived. And they predated Homo sapiens by more than a million years. This is like a theory about it. And they kind of don't know what's happening on the surface because they don't really go outside of Agartha. But um sometimes they do offer constructive criticism apparently and they said that they often kidnap human children to tutor and rear as their own so Whoa. yeah i guess it's like because they want to integrate the us normal what? people into their world so it's like a mixed it's like mixed race like they want children from all over the world to be in their little uh culture and civilization exactly. yeah so they raise them and their and their thing in their yeah. area <laughs> yeah they pretty much just raise them so that they can like learn oh my their god ways. when they're babies i don't yeah i don't know about that maybe when they're young because i think that's like yeah. the easiest time to like teach kids i mean yeah and then the kids don't even remember where they originally were from so they're just like oh i'm an agarthan or you know what i mean yeah exactly <laughs> so do they look like human the Garthans. I mean, they said they predated Homo sapiens, so I don't think they look like us because they probably what? look different. But then they steal a human baby <laughs> or a human child, and then they don't look like the mama or the dad. I mean, I don't know. They didn't really give a description, but I'm assuming they're like they look different from us because they're not like they what? were millions of years old. So I don't think they look like how modern day humans look, but they probably are like similar in a way. Oh my god. So if a modern human and a Garthian human were, um, let's say, like, um, together, so do you think they would create, like, some uh, master baby or something, like, crazy, like, like a whole new, like, race of people or something like Maybe. that? Maybe. I mean, wouldn't that kind of make sense? Because it's like, if their culture is dying out, if they only have, like, their own people, wouldn't they want to, like, expand it? Kind mm-hmm. of like how people like us like in our history like we've also changed and evolved with time too so maybe that's what they want to oh my god i found this like thing on facebook that says take a mystical multi-dimensional tour to heal your earth soul records from difficult earth densities fearful memories and survival trauma and then they show a picture of an agarthan i think i think that's what an agarthan is supposed to look like I mean, they look pretty human, though. 
Are uh, they aliens, you think? Yeah, are they? Like, um, it seems like in Google Images. I mean, you'll hear some theories soon, but people <laughs> kind of, it's like all over the place. There's the thing, and like, nobody has like a set answer to that question. It's like some people interpret it like there are humans and then there aren't. So I don't know. Oh my but- God. In our like, alien episode, I was talking about the aliens living in the Earth's core. So maybe they, they oh, live amongst yeah. the aliens. There's some allusions to that, you know. Um, you'll see. But we, I do make a reference to our first episode, what Mario was talking about. So you'll you'll catch some things that are similar to that. But oh anyway, check getting that, back. Check that back. Getting back into. Back. <laughs> yeah, check out that episode. But getting back to to what the people are so in buddhism there are beliefs that agartha was colonized in their religion um they said that thousands of years ago there was a holy man that led a tribe into the underground and the people have scientific knowledge and expertise far beyond that of people who live on the surface of the planet so it's pretty similar and they also have this idea of the race being supermen and superwoman so they kind of occasionally come onto the surface to oversee the development of humanity. And it's also believed that there are millions of inhabitants in that area. And the king of this world is believed to be given orders to the Dalai Lama of Tibet and is his terrestrial representative. So take that so interpretation Lama, as well. It's confirmed the Dalai Lama knows about um, Agarthans yeah maybe that's what people think because he maybe has like supernatural ties with them or something whoa um that's crazy they also said that his messages are transmitted through certain secret tunnels connecting the inner world of agartha to tibet so that's like you know maybe some sort of like connection between the surface world Mm -hmm. that we don't know about and and actually in native americans they also believe in this too um, a lot of them said that there was a forerunner of man that came to from beneath the earth. And the ancient ones had supernatural powers that were driven from their caverns by a great flood. And once on the surface, they passed on their great knowledge to the human race before once again seeking their great sanctuary. So there's like, I guess with them, it would be more like we learn from the Agarthans while the other ones are like, they just went into the ground and they like did not come out into the regular like surface part of the earth so there's kind of many theories about it um and there were also many people who were convinced that this theory was true there was a french novelist by the name of jules verney who was the author of journey to the center of the earth and he wrote this book around the time there's a lot of interest in this topic so that book kind of talks about that too and it's pretty much like an allegory to agartha before Verne, though, there was uh, the hollow earth concept had actually originally was proposed in the 17th century, and it was by Edmund Haley, who was the discoverer of Haley's Comet. And he also believed that the earth consisted of several shells that are separated by individual atmospheres, and the outermost layer having a thickness of about 500 miles. And Haley believed that natural phenomena like the aurora borealis and magnetic field variances were products of these multiple layers. And he said that they moved independently from each other. So after a century, uh, John Cleves Symes, who basically expanded on his theory, had published a paper talking about his plans to travel to the Earth's interior. And he basically devoted the rest of his life garnering support 
for this expedition, but unfortunately he fell sick and he actually was never never able to get to this trip. And before he died though, of this basically his interest had inspired Arctic exploration and the first trip to Antarctica in 1838. Mm-hmm. And between this time of the Great Depression and World War II, an admiral named Richard E. Byrd of the U.S. Navy pioneered explorations to the poles. And he was really well known for his flight over the North Pole using modern technology at the time. And according to a supposed entry that was written in his diary during this time, Bird basically came across a warm, lush climate with mammoth-like creatures and an ancient human race that had been residing within the earth. So he kind of had, you know, hints about this and people started speculating some things. And his plane was actually apparently held mid-air and landed for him by people in the center of the earth who intercepted his plane with a saucer-shaped aircraft. And upon landing, he was met by ambassadors of a civilization many people assumed to be Agarthans. And these Agarthans expressed concern about humanity's use of atomic bombs during World War II and employed Byrd as their ambassador to return to the U.S. government and tell them about their concerns. So (laughs) the problem, though, with this supposed entry that happened was that it was dated in February 1947, when in fact the actual date that he traveled to the North North Pole was 20 years earlier in May 9th, 1926. So people think that Bird actually never even traveled to the North Pole and instead fabricated his whole navigation record and taking credit from another team that had actually set the record a few days later. And many people think that this entry is so interesting though, because it could be misinterpreted for another mission to Antarctica that was called Operation High Jump. And Operation High Jump was pretty much the largest operation that ever had been conducted. And there were 4,000 men that actually went to study the maps and basically reside in Antarctica for eight months. And the expedition included 13 Navy ships, an aircraft carrier, helicopters, flying boats, and a lot of different aircrafts. And This expedition was pretty much um, very famous worldwide, and um, it also established pretty much that the American military presence in Antarctica is, like, this is not allowed anymore. Like, this Mm -hmm. practice, it can't happen. So the question really is, why was there so much interest in Antarctica? And this kind of correlates to Byrd when he told a Chilean reporter um, in the newspaper El Mercurio that his expedition taught him that the U.S. should prepare for the possibility of hostile planes coming from the polar regions. And it's a part of his reiteration of his own experience. So many people interpreted this as the evidence of the flying craft that he saw was coming from Agartha. Um, I mean, I guess maybe that could explain why the U.S. has a lot of alien saucers. Like you see a lot of them in the U.S.? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they could be coming from Antarctica and we don't even know about it. There was no attacks so far. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's what, yeah, that's what I was, yeah. So trying to like figure out what could it be, the next closest thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, isn't it natural to have like, and to be interested in Antarctica? That's true, but people are like, well, there's nothing there. Like, there's nothing visibly, you know, 
that could be very interesting and that you would send 4,000 men to is just kind of a little odd because of how much interest there is in it. There's not many animals there either. Like there's just not, it's not like a actual like flourishing country. It's just ice. So that's why people are Continent. It's a continent. Yeah. Antarctica can have countries. I mean, it can, but it's just so empty. Like what, what was the, you know, like the point of going there so much, but from here, this is where things actually get very interesting. So there is speculation um, about birds search for Agartha and that there were theories that there were Nazis actually present in both the North and South Arctic during this time. And it's actually been well documented that the Nazis explored Arctic regions to set up bases and test weaponry. But it's also known that Hitler and his Nazis were obsessed with esotericism and the occult. So people are like, you know, maybe there's something supernatural going on here. And that's why they're they're over there, aside from like the weapons and the war. And some theories go even deeper than this. And they say that Hitler could have been escaped to this underground world. And he thought that this might counter a lot of, you know, um, he could basically be more likely accepted there. But mm. some people think that that's counterintuitive. Because there's, if there's an enlightened society down there, they would not accept him. So yeah, there's that too. Yes. Um, Touching but, back at the first episode. Exactly. And Nazi maps actually have um, believed to be instructions for reaching Agartha and have supposedly been um, a letter to the German U-boat navigator named Karl Unger, who claims that the, one of the U-boats uh, made it to Agartha and that the earth is in fact hollow. Uh, the letters also mention that the notorious German generals Karl Haushofer and Rudolf Hess uh, said that the hollow earth theory was actually correct. Um, and there's also apparently a lot of evidence that the Nazis spent a lot of resources searching for Agartha and as a last resort for Hitler to escape in case of emergency. And it kind of adds to that conspiracy theory. In fact, the most common diagram of Agartha was drawn by a German scientist in 1935. So it's a little suspicious why all these Germans are on the same boat about that. Like, why is there so much interest in it? And maybe they actually did find Agartha. Who knows? Oh, my God. But it would be like, so you're saying Agartha is like in Antarctica. It's underground. I guess like the, yeah, maybe Agartha is, there's like a passageway between Agartha and the Antarctic. Because it's like so empty. So maybe there's some sort of passageway. No one like goes there. Too. but then like in the middle of the earth it's like really hot right i mean that's so, the earth's core yeah 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 so wouldn't it melt isn't there a lot of water there where are you talking about Antarctica? oh it is antarctica yeah mm-hmm. yeah like, but then you'd that's have to go thing. through the boat like how deep is agartha i guess because it's it can't be in the earth's core because that's where you know, it's too hot over there. It, so maybe it's somewhere else underground. Maybe it's closer, yeah. We just don't know about it. Um, but also evidence uh, exists that indicates that the Nazis have actually believed they were already, um, that we already lived in the inside of the earth. Some experts of the Third Reich show that the belief of the earth was concave and that we reside in the interior of the earth. There's like some theories about that. 
Mm-hmm. And in a bizarre 1942 experiment conducted by Nazi scientist Heinz Fischer on the island of Rügen, a team attempted to observe a British fleet by pointing the lenses of their infrared equipment up to a 45 degree angle. And they believed that through the Earth, though the Earth was concave, normal rays would have refracted off the ocean, but infrared rays were not. So, of course, they only saw the sky, but this shows that what they believed and researched for was actually evidence of the alternative Earth theories. So, oh my God. Will we ever really find out if there was an existing underground civilization in the Earth? Um, I mean, there's been attempts to drill down uh, in there. And there's also the Kola Super Deep Borehole that was made uh, about seven miles that tried to go into the Earth's core. Um, The Russian team that led the operation didn't actually find Agartha, but uh, they thought that maybe it's a lot further down than they think it is. Mm -hmm. So... We don't really know exactly what's down there, and many of our theories have been proven wrong, according to scientists, and we don't really know a lot about the Earth. So what do you think? Do you think it's down there? Do you think that this is all just a mythological theory? What do you guys think? I feel like if it is real, they should just leave it alone. Like, why would you want to disturb a whole, like, civilization and, like, do you want them to disturb us you know that's true i mean we know from past uh history too that like when people mess with the civilizations it can it doesn't really tend to last that long so yeah i do think um it may not be called agartha but there is some sort of agarthan type of civilization that we may not even know of and um i guess maybe maybe it is a matter of time we do or we might never, I don't know. Um, but I do think there is something similar that uh, we do not have a lot of knowledge of. And maybe a few people probably visited or do know. It's just a well-kept secret, I would say. Yeah, it's just like maybe that's what people think of aliens. Like maybe aliens are residing there. Maybe that's yeah. in their theory, like a Garth. Aliens. Aliens are in their own planet. Uh, sometimes they want to visit us, but I think they're just trying to, you know, planet shop. <laughs> I mean, also, kind of think about this. Like, they were here millions of years ago. Probably aliens were super advanced by then. So maybe they are from another planet, but they could be residing there. Aliens? Don't know about it. Okay, it's the space thing, right? Like, if you're... I forgot what it's called. Like, if you're more deeper into space you're like closer to time there's something with time because if you look more into space like if we look at a star in space it's like um that's like looking into the future right yeah it's like or, some, thousand, or the past or our, like, like thousand light years away from us so time is definitely traveling much uh faster yeah or yeah so if they're coming to us, they're probably coming from the future or something or for sure. Yeah, I believe that. Like maybe if they are in the Earth core, like they're so um advanced, they have they're like um they're like thousand of years uh above us forward. So they probably um like I believe that maybe they are aliens down there 
uh, or like some form of like creature. Uh, but from the alien episode, it sounds like it was similar to the aliens. So maybe it could be. I mean, that's true, though. Like time and in and of itself is different depending on like even planets in our own system is different. So I can't imagine like if they came from another galaxy, it could be like totally mm-hmm. ahead of us. But it's just weird like why would they be in our earth's core like what's so like what is there that they're like there's, sustaining off of it's just like interesting. a lot of magnet magnetic energy right i heard it's the water like that's the water source for their airplanes oh that's interesting but i mean like um, if you look at like the climate change now that the water is melting you guys think maybe we'll actually find them maybe or they'll just fly away (laughs) (laughs) they'll just be like peace out you guys found it that would be super interesting if there's actually something down there like imagine like all this ice just gone so like there's nothing they can hide under anymore i mean what's the closest thing you can place you can get to the earth's core i mentioned it earlier it was the cola super deep borehole that was made it was it reached 12,262 meters which is basically roughly 40,000 feet and it was made in 1989 and it's the deepest artificial point on earth oh that was an actual place what is that called i was like so it's not the place it's a it's a borehole like they made it it's man-made they dug it into the ground I guess you're asking, is it like there's a natural place that has the closest distance to the Earth's I core? Guess, yeah. And also, like, what is that borehole called? It's called the Kola Super Deep Borehole. Oh, it's in Russia. Oh. <gasps> it's the lowest point underground that was ever reached. Oh, my God. I wonder if they're still drilling. <laughs> Now we need an episode on that alone. I'm sorry. What? All these theories. It's so mysterious. Oh my goodness. What are they hiding? What are they hiding? I'm I looked it up. I, it says that the point on the ground closest to the Earth's center is called Litke Deep. It's the ocean trench in the Arctic Ocean. Again, Arctic. Like it's all related what? to okay. I guess while well, you're chewing on that knowledge we can start off with mine is it okay if i take it over yes javeria take it away okay um so i'll be covering a a city a lost city that you all may know about um pompeii italy and before we get started on everything else um i just want to go in the meaning uh the according to theodore kraus the root of the word uh, Pompeii uh, would appear to be the Oscan word for the number of five, Pompey, Pompey. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Which suggests that it's a community. It's either a community that is of five hamlets, or um, it was like settled with a family group. But either way, it's called Pompeii, and it was founded by the. Um, by these Greek colonists um, called Oscans, which is around probably around like the 9th to 8th century BC. But yeah, it could, 
be maybe even before then or that but either way it was founded by the greeks and um they it kind of like uh kind of grew into like through the samnite period and then the roman period and yeah it fell into the influence of rome for like second century bc and eventually it's like near the naples area the and it became like the Bay of Naples, which is like um, an attraction for wealthy vacationers from Rome who wanted to, you know, visit the Campania coastline and all of that stuff. So by the turn of the first century AD, um, the town of Pompeii, it's located like five miles from the mountain uh, that we'll get into. And um, it was it was like a very flourishing city, like a lot of people kind of liked it for, um, you know, it's like, it's like up and coming and you know there's like really nice houses and elaborate villas and all of that stuff and a lot of it has a lot of like tourists townspeople slaves um, like artisan shops taverns cafes brothels bathhouses, you name it, anything they had it they like you wanted they had. So, um, and the town, like, had the, so, like I said, it's by this, like, volcano mountain, um, which is called Vis Vesuvius. Okay, it's, um, don't know if I'm saying that right, but we'll go on to it. And uh, so, because they had this mountain, this volcano, um, they had the lava forming around, um, like, like naturally around the town and that like provided a natural defense against any evasions by neighboring people and um actually that also helped uh cultivate their um crops for fertile soil and you know it did kind of like help them grow into like having really good agriculture and uh also water retention like capabilities just like helping with like all of these like um ingredients uh such as like barley wheat millet and you know even wine and olive oil and which was like helpful to export to other regions and yeah so basically they, they were kind of like a thriving and um and it's also it was like um known for its wealth and uh, actually, uh, you will see that like um, it kind of served as inspiration to uh, modern, like maybe not modern, but like it helped revive the neoclassical period in the 18th century. So a lot of its architecture is Etruscan, and um, a lot of like I guess like the whole structure of Pompeii, it would kind of help to serve as a reference to, um, to Europe's like most wealthiest and like people who had the most money, like they want like to revive that period. So they basically kind of copy a lot of the art and architecture of Pompeii and, you know, like use it to like uh, make rooms. So for example, um, even like wealthy British families, they would build like Etruscan rooms which would often like mimic those Pompeian like villas and all of those kind of places. So, and 
And yeah, I feel like uh, Pompeii really um, emphasized a lot about art. And uh, you'll see that with the frescoes, like these murals that they had in a lot of their houses and um, like around the town. And um, basically, yeah, they still stood today, even after like um, the unfortunate event I will talk about shortly. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not uh, nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they really did value art and theater and um, like just, I would say this is kind of, this would serve as like a really good example for any urban planning any city like that's trying to like make its like like to grow Pompeii like definitely served as a reference to that and even even to this day like a lot of people reference like I said before like Pompeii and um, a lot of its like architecture and the values that they had I mean that's so, crazy that like you know mm-hmm. like Romans you think of a lot of their architecture like the fact that we still are amazed by how good their art was is just incredible like it stood the test of time. Yes, and that's really like um, really hard. Like uh, what you want to call it? like because uh, usually cities and towns um, would kind of crumble, but Pompeii um, ironically like it still it stood in the. Uh, like a frozen time so a lot of people like if you want to know about like roman architecture they just basically copied pompeii and you know studied their culture and you you just knew so so much from just them being frozen in time yeah i'm looking at the architecture like images and the art is just so detailed it's just like it's amazing like this is like in most of their buildings too which is just Mm -hmm. incredible yeah, they just, they had so much, like, life going on in there, you know, they had meat markets, uh, bakeries, like, um, snacks, and, like, pubs, and all that stuff, and even, like, brothels, and all of these, like, places that, you know, just so many businesses, and, like, all of that stuff, um, that, like, they say there were actually, like, 31 bakeries in towns, and they all had, like, their own styles, and everything, and, yeah, they really loved bread. <laughs> Sounds so nice. Yeah. Do you know like how many people were in the town? Uh, I think twenty thousand were there. The population was like twenty thousand. Like for that time period, I mean, that's like a lot of people. So. So it was like a flourishing like city. Basically, it was a flourish, like up and coming. You know, like mm-hmm. as the years go by and everything and yeah and also like fun fact uh they had a lot of erotic art (laughs) back in the day Uh and uh they kind of knew that this with like uh, sculptures and artwork and um you know they had to like uh cover some stuff up and everything um there's like um actually in 1819 when uh, there's like the story like when king francis like he visited the Pompeii exhibition with his wife and daughter. He was like so embarrassed by the erotic artwork that he had to lock it up in a secret cabinet and within the museum that, um, cause this was like all preserved in a Naples like National Archaeological Museum. So a lot of the artwork was really risque and um, yeah, it just seems like they were very like free and um, just, you know, not too conservative. 
yeah the romans in general were like super chill about everything they didn't really like hold back in general so i think that's a part of their religion i think in you know like mythology and stuff like they also they have like that influence so i can see that Mm -hmm. they copied um a lot of the greek because um a lot of the greek culture like kind of traveled to rome and you know italy and all that stuff so they um offered a lot of uh like offerings to greek uh mythological gods and all of that stuff they're pretty similar like overall even their architecture is like it's not exactly the same but there's like you can see the similarities in the two (laughs) okay yeah but it's it's good it's you know and you'll see that like in even in general like rome like art roman art copied a lot of greek art and everything so they won't yeah. admit that though they're never gonna say that they did that they won't admit that uh, oops i guess i admit <laughs> i said that um it just looks the same it's just it is no but like the greeks came first though right so yeah they, they basically just made like copies of a lot of stuff so uh yeah there's that so and then i guess we'll talk about like what happened and why there's like uh like whenever you picture or like google search pompeii you'll like see like a lot of dead people and i saw that yeah (laughs) it's so scary it's just their their bodies are very like um still in form and we'll get into that so what happened is the region was it's very used to like volcanic eruptions and a lot of natural disasters so even like in about 1780 bc uh for example like an unusual like violent eruption came up from the volcano mountain and it shot up uh tons of lava ash oh that's like one this is one instance up to like 22 miles up into the sky and it destroyed everything in this path so this region is very volatile you know and so um 16 years before uh like the tragedy that would take place an earthquake actually struck this region the campania region in 6380 and uh so scientists kind of now understand that's like it was kind of like a warning rumble that the disaster was to come but like people still kind of ignored that they just were like oh okay earthquake all right whatever and so they like still like you know grew into grew and grew and grew like by the bay um but you know if there's like an earthquake in a volcano near a volcano uh mountain you're kind of screwed so in 79, that's when the Mount of Vesuvius, like, it erupted again, and it sent, like, a whole, like, plume of ashes and pumice and all these, like, other rocks and, like, these really deadly gases into the sky, where you can see it, like, hundreds of miles around, like, you can literally see that, like, like, explode, like, you know, the signs, the smokes and everything. So as it started to cool down, um, a lot of it, the debris started to go to the earth. And um, first it, like, it was like a fine grain ash, but then it literally started to be like like these pumice, uh, all these other rocks and um, 
it was like basically very violent and uh crazy and um but you know even if as this was like kind of going out uh most like pompeians had plenty of time to flee so even if the, as this phase was going down you could still like get out but you know unfortunately a lot of people still stayed behind was there people that escaped and alive yeah, today I, yeah i think there were like people that did escape uh wait so did most people stay behind most people like stayed behind why they it stayed, was like, so bad dude that would scare me i would well, run well I, i guess it says like 75 to 92% of the residents scan town but like you know we don't even know how successful you know maybe people did try to escape but they didn't like escape um successfully if that makes sense so did it like get to the city by the time it erupted cuz it seemed like it was a really big yeah. one so. yeah 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 i i don't yeah i think it did i guess like their fences and everything couldn't even defend against such a massive eruption how many people survived so it well the amount like obviously there're going to be survivors it didn't kill everyone um majority like okay fine maybe i should like reiterate this i think majority of them did survive but um the ones that like i would say like okay fine like 2000 people died in the eruption So I'm sorry I didn't like look at this up. I didn't look this up earlier. Um but you know the people that did die they basically, you know, they died and it's you know just to get away from the volcano and trying to go through the ash and all this stuff. Like the gas is basically what um killed people. you know all of that like like the heat basically the heat the ash it clogged the air you couldn't even breathe like oh, this sad. poison gas yeah it that's brutal honestly and then all of this like rock you know from the mountain it basically like swallowed up everything and everyone in its path and just leaving nobody so yeah the heat was the main cause of death for people it it was like an instant death you know what i mean like even if you were like to be sheltered in your home like you would have just died still through suffocation and um the buildings were covered up to like uh 12 different layers of tephra and which is like in total up to like 19.7 feet deep so wow that's like crazy covered. they were like basically yeah. smothered into it mhm yeah they were like covered like crazy and i guess that's oh yeah you were saying so it made them into statues yeah it kind of like made them into statues um like all of that like dust and everything it basically made them into like like uh yeah like mannequins <laughs> and they're like that until today like you can well, see that Yeah, they're like that um to today. Oh, I think I saw like I was reading something about like some like uh they used a special plaster. Let me see. They used a special like plaster to like conserve the bodies even more cuz they found this um 
probably they found them around like uh like it remained untouched until 1748 when these group of explorers came to like look for ancient artifacts in Campania and so they began to dig and basically uh they found that all of them like the ashes just act as a preservative and you know they had like underneath all that dust they found that a city like the town was basically the same as it was uh, oh that's insane exactly that's like 2000 years it wasn't touched for from that time and you can just see all the people like yeah dead dead literally like as they died which is crazy to me so Um, everything just like froze in place basically it froze in place um like objects household goods like all of these like uh things that you would be that would be like chilling in your house they were just littered all across the streets and even some archaeologists found like some uh fruit jam and bread like totally okay like preserved Wait, from the lava, like the aftermath of it? Yeah, like the whole ash and everything. It like preserved everything? That's mm-hmm. crazy. Wow. Yeah. It's like a natural preserver <laughs> of everything. That's crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, some of the, okay, some of the decomposed bodies like didn't make it. So, um, like a lot of the, some of the archaeologists like used the plaster which is even still used today, like, um, like the technique, there's like this technique, um, or no, no, maybe not resin, like it's resin more than plaster. Well, it's some sort of like plaster preservative that, um, would kind of like allow them to study them more and keep them more into place. I think. Yeah. I just saw a dog. Oh my God. You saw a dog one. Yeah. And a horse. And a horse. See, like, all of these like it's just almost like it's frozen in time and that's what like makes it a very popular tourist destination for like so many um like uh, tourists and scholars and like it's been going on for so long and everyone's just fascinated by uh the city's like eerie ruins and it's like you would just be traveling into that time period I didn't know that this was possible. Like a volcano could, like, yeah, turn you into this. Yeah, they literally look like statues. Like I can't even if you put like a like an actual man made one with this, I could not differentiate. Like that's just you wouldn't even know if it's like yeah, if it's them. It's such a morbid like thing, you know, just seeing like how they all. They're just like lying on the ground. It's just like your last moment on earth. This is like, you know, this is like just the last thing you see. That's just brutal, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's amazing, though, how everything got preserved. That's just crazy. Yeah. My God, my baby. No. Yeah. All the people that did die, um, 2,000 people. So, yeah, I do say, like, let me. If I didn't mention it before, 2,000 people did die, but, like, uh, most of the people did escape, you know, but they just tried to, like, people are trying to find them, you know, to this day. Uh, they're trying to identify the survivors and what happened to them and where did they, like, kind of 
go and you know because rome was very like the roman empire was huge um it spanned a lot of countries to this day and um yeah so they probably just escaped to other countries and everything uh but they're still searching but honestly this probably like shook up rome in general after finding out about this yeah well i feel like people who were probably like maybe nearby maybe they did look back or like i said like it this town was very untouched so i guess people kind of forgot about them as well and because they were basically you know yeah they just were frozen in time but that mountain is enormous too it's crazy mountain right it's huge so i like imagine that erupting like i can totally see that little town just vesuvius vesuvius the eruption lasted 18 hours 18 oh my god yeah they lived in agony the eruption just killed them like it's usually just like the the smoke that's like really deadly in the heat like mount mount uh, volcanoes have power oh yeah yeah i don't want to mess with that yeah it's like crazy that's like interesting though there was there was an earthquake that happened before it erupted it's like the earthquake happened before so that was kind of like you know when an earthquake happens it moves the earth right so like that's what um kind of activates almost like um uh, other natural disasters like tsunamis and volcanoes it's because of the plates they move the plates the, the tectonic, tectonic plates, plates. <laughs> they move. yeah and that's yeah that makes sense and it was like some sort of warning before it happened to yeah it was a warning that's what scientists believe and but people just were like yeah yeah no they often had earthquakes there right isn't that what i think you said yeah, they often had like earthquakes and the volcano erupted before too. Like this was um like in different like BC um BC times. So yeah, it did erupt before. So it might even do it again. They're like trying to predict when is the next eruption. That, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of scary then because if it does erupt, oh boy. You don't want another incident like this again. Yeah, but, you know, we have, like, technology to find out more and all of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, there's just, you know, time also changes. You know, you never know when's the next volcano. It just depends on the time and the period and, yeah. And there's nothing there right now after the city, right? No. It's really that little like place in Pompeii. It's just a tourist destination. Like, like what remains, like little of it. You know, there's nothing like really there. Was Pompeii like the closest city to the volcano? Yeah, it was like five miles. Wow. Okay, that's super close. Like it's really like it also like helped them with their land, right? The fertile uh, land and you know flourishing them. It really it helped them in that way, but mm-hmm. otherwise, yeah. Like you could see one like 
like, like the image of Pompeii right now, like um, you see the Google image. It's like a lot of like, it's like kind of like a little like um, good, like made a little nicer, I guess, like cleaner just for the tourist parts, but otherwise it's just ash and nothing remains of it. Yeah, it's just literally like a like a deserted. It's deserted. Yep. That actually like, makes sense. Like the distance is super close, so I can see why like it just completely got wiped yeah. out. Because if you live further cool. away, you still can like get away from it. But yeah, legitimately, yeah. But it was like up and coming, urban. You know. So sad. Yeah, it's really sad, but it did like help us like find out in modern medicine, like all of this stuff and like anthropology, and you people find out like DNA and like how people lived back in the day, and so I guess that's something that good came out of it. Yeah, that's my part. (laughs) Thanks, Terraria. So I'm gonna take it off um, with our last lost city. Many of you have probably heard or have been to, it's called Angkor Wat in Cambodia. Um, And Angkor Angkor Wat was once the capital of the Khmer Empire. Um, It was a massive city in the jungles of Cambodia that was constructed by Khmer um, Hindu in the 19th century. And the entire city uh, includes over 1,000 temples. Uh, many of which has have been restored and is under the UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, and Angkor Wat, Angkor Wat is one of the most impressive structures in the world and draws millions of tourists every year. Um, in 2007, a team of researchers used satellite photographs to study the thousand square kilometer city, and they determined that it was the largest pre-industrial city of its time. Um, the population was larger than modern day Boston, and the massive temple complex um, was famed as the world's largest religious monument for Hinduism. Um, And now researchers have determined that the population was almost 1 million people and made it the largest pre-modern city um, compared to 2019 population of Boston. So as you can see, it was really large and it was an up and coming city as well uh, for the empire and Um, Anchor has been studied for more than a century um, and early scholars were so overwhelmed by the artworks and architecture that they forgot about the archaeology. Um, So I'm going to talk more about that. Um, The debate has always been, was it large enough that um, it manipulated the landscape to cause environmental problems. So a lot of people believe that it was the environment, um, natural causes that caused the um, deconstruction of Angkor Wat, but um, I'll talk about that more later. It was Um, constructed uh, really sophisticated, um, apparently by researchers for its time. The Khmer built it um, with massive stone structures, on the Siem Reap River, um, 
and it was built into the walls to manage the inflow and outflow of water. So water is really important for the complex of Angkor Wat and um, to grow their rice. And um, it, it just really needed water for their um, like everyday life of what they had. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole like two researches, the way that they it was built and if you see pictures of it it was really like interesting of how back then they would have the skills and the engineering know-how and massive amounts of physical labor to create something like this it took a lot of time and it actually took it was built by a lot of human labor they used also thousands of elephants supposedly and 300,000 um, laborers to build Angkor Wat and it, it has very like unique style to it and um, Mm -hmm. thousands and hundreds of slaves put their sweat and blood and life into this construction for the empire they gave their life to the the emperor they they saw him as like a god so they definitely wanted to do this for him and um so that was about the artwork and then their economy back then what they did was based on international trade so the kumars as what the people were called they produced food for their population and um, they traded it with neighboring states they traded cloth um, bronze statues and exported ivory kingfisher feathers and beeswax Um, they sent it abroad but mainly their main trading partner was to China so the Chinese would always come to Ankara in Cambodia and they would have this partnership and the Chinese would always come and take a wife whenever they arrived um, because they believe that the women of Cambodia have some sort of benefit for business skills. Um, And yeah, it was really cool to hear that because like back then we don't really see it like that. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, nothing. Just like, I guess they really wanted um, to utilize their power for something yeah and the women was just so like uh smart Mm. they were just like seen as so smart and like useful um and they hold power of they hold position of power and authority in Cambodia the women are seen as that usually don't hear about women being like um oh like in this like places of authority and position so to see that in an ancient civilization back in the day is kind of cool yeah that's why many believe they were like ahead of their time because just from the way they like their whole civilization and their way of life was just like so different um but that was really cool to hear and the women are like they have the authority and power they're the one who's selling the stuff they make it they sell it and they're in charge of that trade and they they are the ones who bring the money um and Mm -hmm. Interestingly, they also served as bodyguards to the king. Whoa, that's cool. Right? Mm. Representation. <laughs> okay. Uh, female queen. Okay, let's Super go. cool. Yes, girls. <laughs> yes, I want a female Girl bodyguard. Power. <laughs> yes. We love woman power in this podcast. If you don't agree, do. leave. I'm sorry. We are all about women. Yes. <laughs> but... You can see the life in Angkor Wat was very lively and it was up and coming. A lot of pop, it was a huge population of people. And I watched a documentary and it was just like seeing the, their way of life. Everyone seemed so happy and so lively. But 
it was left abandoned like what happened to it what why was it so empty so one reason um not many people believe in this but it was in uh in the video that i watched um so it was believed that the Khmer uh, emperor w- waged war with its neighbor, some Vietnamese um, enemy. Um, and in the eyes of the enemies, the Khmer army was not prepared for war at all. Their soldiers used to move around unclothed and barefoot. And that seems like they seemed weak. Um, mm-hmm. So people like a lot of armies wanted to set war with them they had no weapons no helmets no bows Um, they had nothing to protect themselves no discipline nor strategy so this kind of believable um and those inscriptions showing that in the 14 in 1431 the ties actually um, sacked anchor and they looted everything they could possibly get they enslaved so much of the population and carried them off to thailand no they completely like destroyed them basically yeah wow. so the ties i mean i don't know how much that's true but that's one of the reason um and nothing else was found of that evidence or anything so we have no idea if that happened um but Wait, that's you're saying it couldn't have happened like maybe it wasn't like Ties. yeah there was no evidence of that that was just one reason many believed in oh so it didn't actually like happen though like it's just like a speculation yeah it was just speculation i don't know how much of that is true that's interesting maybe it didn't happen maybe mm. it didn't yeah like something else happened a natural disaster yeah just that's what I was them. gonna talk about. yeah exactly so one mm. believable mm, main reason that researchers um, believe in is because of the deforestation, soil erosion, and severe monsoon seasons were the cause. Um, um, Because over the next couple of centuries, um, the system seemed seemed to be functioning pretty well, and the city continued to flourish. But um, it was until the early 15th century that it remained a mystery of what happened to it Um, and water as I said was very central to the development of Angkor the channels and reservoirs were constructed to collect and store water for their agricultural use Um, and water also played a huge religious role in their society it had various symbols that were carved to symbolize like water flowing to anchor and that's like a religious statement i think um uh, because they like praised the water um but then yeah but then in the early 1300s um anchor became suffering from a, a lot of drought um followed by a lot of strong monsoon rains. And that's when the city's water uh, management system couldn't cope with the intense flooding and its infrastructure suffered intense damage. And that was, there is evidence till today that the remains can be seen on a bridge that goes to Angkor Wat. Um, mm. And when Angkor collapsed, the ruins remained unknown to the West until the 1860s. Um, but it did a huge damage to the 
infrastructure and the people living there could not repair it. It's so sad. No. You had to like leave all of that behind. That's so disappointing. Like after yeah. building it up and then now they have to like just completely abandon it. Yeah, they like took so much time and effort into this and it was such a big project and now they didn't I feel like they didn't plan out night like nicely or not maybe not nicely, but like just scientifically, right? Yeah, they didn't plan like situations happening. Yeah. They were just so focused on building it, I think. Yeah, and that's like you know, if you just build things, you need to have like reasons and logic behind it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they didn't like consider like external damage, like what could possibly like, you know, get in the way of all that, but I mean environment. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy though. So basically, yeah, also an environment torn town. <laughs> like yeah and super interesting was that the water helped to build it also destroyed it at the same time because it's built around um lots of water and yeah very like weird story um and yeah today today anchor um is known as the World Heritage Site, and it's actually protected uh, with a dozen countries um, funding it for archaeological research. And it was once a busy city filled with life surrounding by forest and water. And now, and it, yeah, as I said, it's far advanced of any European city of its time. And now tourists can come see whatever is left of it. It's still really beautiful. I've been there and it's a really once in a lifetime experience. And I I think everyone should go see it. And now I didn't know this story when I went and now I know it. I like want to go back and like see and appreciate it more. Yeah, you you learned the history of it. So now you're like, okay, like how did that impact it? It's really pretty. Like just seeing the images online, it's just like like the structure is very unique um the and, detail work is crazy like wow yeah. must have taken ages to make this yeah i don't know how long it took exactly, exactly. There's like the temple like the that's like the main i think tourist attraction is their temple which is enormous too yeah. oh my god it took 30 years to build wow (laughs) just the temple or like the whole city the whole thing wow the whole like the whole city just looks so unique um and interesting yeah especially with the water yeah seems very yeah like like a destination to like see a tourist destination yeah and it's it's like in the jungle which is super cool oh yeah right yeah Like, like that kind of area no, I kind of like those areas, like jungly areas. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does look like a emperor vibe, like yeah, it's like a kingdom vibe. Yeah, for sure, yeah. kingdom vibe. Yeah, yeah. So, so the cool. emperor used to live in that temple or like castle, not castle, but like structure. Yeah, one of the temples. I think there's like over hundred in the area. Whoa. Yeah, I think today's episode was really interesting. I've learned two new things I didn't know about. Um, 
and I hope you guys learned something too as well. Yeah, this episode was really historical. It was super like, you know, we had to do a lot of research this time on like every little thing. But yeah, I hope you guys learned something new today too. Yeah, I definitely like the historical part and coming up with the conspiracies or theories on what may have happened or even if this place, some of the places, the place that we talk about exists like Agartha. I'm just so curious now um but yeah well thank you all for uh listening in and i hope you all like listen to some more coming forth some more episodes and um yeah be sure to follow and you know uh, share and or like you know spread the word about us and we'll see you what we'll see you guys on the next one thanks for listening bye bye bye